Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. This is a prayer of David from the Psalms. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject or forsake me, O God, my Savior, though my father and mother forsake me. The Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desert of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. So confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. the only time I'll ever be on stage with Kappa and Nathan. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, my name is Dave Page. I'm one of the uh, elders here at Trinity, and I'm, I'm honored to be able to be with you and share today. As, uh, as Penny mentioned, last week we had a, a bombastic service. Uh, it, was, it was awesome for those that were here. Um, and, you know, we sent off the Boyds after, you know, serving us so well. Uh, for 25 years, um, and and now we turn a corner. Um, one one chapter is closing, and yet another chapter is is wide open. And um, I think you know the leadership of Trinity is really excited about about what the Lord is going to do in this season. But you know, with some of that you know un, uh, 
uncertainty um, comes a, a period of, of waiting to see what's going to happen. And, you know, we, we aren't generally a people who, who like to wait. Um, <clears throat> but having celebrated Thanksgiving, uh, we're, we're turning into the season of Advent, which by definition is a season of waiting expectantly, um, a season of preparation for the, the long-ago um, prophesied Messiah uh, who, who came in Jesus. And so while this season is important every year for us as followers of Christ, um, I think this is a, a really uh, critical juncture in, in our, our body's life as we're not only anticipating, you know, the celebration of, of the coming of Jesus, but we, uh, we're turning the corner into a new chapter, and, and we have a lot to be excited about. And so um, hopefully today we're going to look at um, some ways that we can make the most of that waiting time um, and use it to glorify God and, and enhance our walk with him. Um, to kick us off, I'd like for us to, to gather in little conversation groups for a, a minute or two. This is something that we do periodically here at Trinity. And uh, so all I'm going to ask you to do is uh, turn to two or three other folks. Um, and I'm going to give you a little question to discuss for, uh, you know, 60 to, I guess, 90 seconds or so. Um, and uh, just for the benefit of this discussion, um, the, the message of today is about patience. And uh, I wanted to find patience as David did in Psalm uh, 40 when he says, uh, I waited patiently for the Lord. And this patiently is from the Hebrew word kava, um, most often translated as to wait for, to expect, to hope, um, or to look for. And so the question for you is, um, on a scale of one to five, with five being the patience of Jesus, how well do you wait? You have two minutes. Turn, gather, discuss. All righty. So, so having had that rich discussion, um, I'd, I'd like to, to ask you a, a follow-up question, and this is just you know, a show of hands, not for discussion, but um, who here has seen the movie Trolls? Wow, only like a handful of you guys? Wow. It's like that animated movie where, like, Justin Timberlake sings all the songs. Yeah, I'm not going to perform any, but um, my, uh, my wife and I have a, a two-and-a-half-year-old little boy, Jack, and um, a couple of months ago when he was uh, sick at home, we, we decided to turn on this movie, and he has been, like, obsessed with it since. And so um, on Friday night, there was a, a Trolls holiday special, and, so we, uh, and that was on at 8.30, and so we sat down, uh, the three of us, uh, Sarah, Jack, and myself, uh, at 8 o'clock, and we started watching How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which is one of my favorites of the season. Um, and he was doing fine. He was paying attention. I, f- I felt like we were really bonding over, like, something from my youth until about 8.15 when, during one of the commercials, he saw the Trolls Holiday Special preview. And from there, it was just trolls, 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 trolls. And I get it. Two-year-olds, for those of you that don't know, have no patience. They, they don't like to wait. Um, and, you know, I, I could see the little gears turning in his mind. He didn't understand why he wasn't getting what he wanted when he wanted it. Um, and, you know, sometimes I, I feel the same way. You know, I'm, I'm a little older, but I, I still have that, that feeling of um, not wanting to wait. Impatience um, that, that drives me uh, more often than I I'd care to admit. Um, and listen, nobody likes to wait. Um, but we have these experiences in life where, you know, waiting is just, it, it's part of our daily grind. Whether it's, 
you know, waiting on the, the subway platform for the train to come or, um, you know, following behind some slower walking folks on the sidewalk. I mean, that is how impatient I am. I'm sorry. Um, this is confession time for Dave now. Um, you know, but nobody likes to wait. And you know, my wife's like waiting for me to shave again. Um, Jed's been waiting for the Eagles to be a real football team for a while. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. I don't see you laughing. <laughs> Our culture does not place value on, on waiting, on being, on being patient. Um, instead, we, we have been hardwired to value action um, and clear results on our timeline. And as I was, um, as I was doing some research for today and, and looking through some, you know, wise commentary, I, I came across a, a sage known as Dr. Seuss. Has anybody read this book? Oh, the places you'll go. So in this book, um, and this is something I think Sarah got for like college graduation, but this is about like the journeys of life and some of the challenges that you, um, you happen upon. And in this book, he's going through a variety of different things. And he, he comes across this place where, you know, you'll go down long wiggled roads at a breaknecking pace and grind on for miles across weirdish, across weirdish wild space. Headed, I fear, towards a most useless place, the waiting place. And so you turn to this page where people are waiting for all kinds of things, and they all look so miserable. And, and you know, Dr. Seuss cast this as the worst place to be. And in fact, when you turn the page, he says, no, that's not for you. Uh, somehow you'll escape all that waiting and staying. You'll find the bright places where boom bands are playing. Even the message that Dr. Seuss is saying is, you know, a waiting place is something to be avoided. Rush through. Don't stall. Don't become stale. There's no value in being in a waiting place, and I, I disagree. Um, while these may be some, some trivial and somewhat silly examples, um, you know, many of us uh, encounter waiting and, and expectation in much more significant areas of our lives whether it is uh, deliverance from physical uh, ailments or uh, certain career aspects that are just very uncertain, um, hopes for, uh, you know, a family and relationship, um, or restoration of broken relationships, or even the calling of a new lead pastor at the church that you attend. I think if we take a minute to reflect on the context, we realize that we spend an awful lot of our time in our life waiting for something. And so the two questions that I want us to focus on today are, why does God make us wait? And what does he intend for us in that waiting period? How can we make the most of that? And I'm going to cut to the chase a little bit and just say, I'm going to posit, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll see that demonstrated as we go along, that our God is extremely intentional and loving and strategic, and he always has a greater purpose for us um, in these waiting places than simply watching the, talk, the clock tick by until, as Dr. Seuss says, we can escape all uh, the wait, waiting and staying. And so to, to help shed light on, on some of these situations and how um, some application that we can bring to our lives, uh, we're going to look at a period in the life of David um, where he was called to wait and um, hopefully glean a little bit that we can, we can take out the door today. So I neglected to give uh, Roy any slides. It's not his fault. 
Um, so it's going to force you guys to, to look at those, you know, blocks of paper in the back of your pews, the, the physical Bibles, or, or get out your, uh, your devices. Um, to set the stage, we're going we're gonna to kind of look at two bookends, or the period in between two bookends. We're going to start in 1 Samuel 16, where we see David is anointed as the next king of Israel. And we're going to move forward through 2 Samuel 5, where, where we see David uh, be, officially become king of Israel. And so while I, I encourage you to circle back and, and read that entire story this week, because there's a lot more that I'm going to be able to deliver in, you know, an hour and a half. Um, Keith makes that joke all the time. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. Um, we're we're going to kind of hover across the whole 21 chapters, and we'll dive in um, at a few points. And so just to um, set a little more context, estimates on David's age vary um, at this time of anointing. Um, most often, it, he's reflected as uh, somewhere in late teens, maybe 17 to 20. And, um, but this period, uh, when he becomes king, he's, he's at the age of 37. So we know that it was somewhere between 15 and 20 years before, between when he was told he was going to be king and when he actually became king. And we don't get any insight uh, from the text on whether David knew anything about the timeline. So even though he had this promise, there was a lot of uncertainty as he was walking through his day-to-day, which I think we can resonate with. Um, And so while I'm ultimately confident that David trusted the Lord, um, and and we see that throughout the text, we're going to see that he's a man just like us. He has fears and uncertainty, and I'm hoping that we can glean some wisdom from some of what he did and, and put into action for our own lives. When we begin in 1 Samuel 16, the first half of that chapter uh, tells of Samuel's visit to this man named Jesse in the town of Bethlehem. And he was, Samuel was told by God to go there because uh, God had um, had it with the current king Saul, and he wanted to anoint the next king of Israel. And so Jesse um, brings out all his sons, uh, and Samuel goes through, and the Lord says, no, 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 there's got to be somebody else. And so David is brought in from tending sheep uh, out in the pasture, and God tells Samuel that that's the guy. And the first thing I want us to see is what happens immediately after this, in verse 14. David was not marched down to the, uh, the palace to depose Saul right away. As a professional shepherd, David would have had absolutely no training or qualification to be able to run run a kingdom. And God knew that more than anyone. Instead, we're told that the spirit of the Lord leaves Saul, and he began to be tormented by another not-so-holy spirit. So much so that his attendant wanted to find a harp player to soothe him and make him feel better when these attacks came on. And after a, a very convenient recommendation, we see in verse 21 that David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. So what we see here is rather than thrust David into a role that he wasn't ready for, God set events in motion that would enable David to become prepared for the role that he would be called to at a later date. God positioned David in this king's court, which would probably be the best way possible to learn how a a kingdom actually operates, and gave him time to to gain wisdom and experience that he would then apply um, and and use as an equipping for uh, his role as the future king. So the first takeaway for us is, is I want to ensure that 
as we as a corporate body or us individually um, approach a period uh, or a season of waiting in our lives that we have that we have the correct perspective on it that these waiting times are not simply periods to be endured and and powered through although there's an element of that but god has a purpose in our waiting and and we want to see our current circumstances as god as god's intentional um you know, providential placement for us in preparation for what's to come next. It's, uh, as somebody refers to it, it's part of our curriculum as we walk with the Lord. In one of my uh, past roles, I, um, when I was a little younger, I, I got to work uh, for about four years for a very challenging manager. Um, wonderful woman, but um, just very demanding, uh, very straightforward, very direct, uh, some would say abrasive. Um, but it, it, was, it was a challenge day in and day out. And I really didn't enjoy going into the office at, at that time in my, my career. Um, but, you know, sometime during that, that season, I, I tried to turn and look at it as, um, when I tell the story, I, I call it a character-building experience. And I joke about that on the one hand, but it really is true because God used that time to, to, grow, to grow me in patience um, and to, to learn skills and aptitudes that I... I needed in future roles, and I, I would be completely failing in my current job right now if I hadn't had that experience. So I know that's the benefit of hindsight to be able to look back on that, but I encourage us to see our current circumstances as preparation for what's next. If we keep moving into chapter 17, we come across uh, one of David's more famous stories, um, and there's this particular giant uh, Goliath who's been taunting the Israel army for, for 40 days when David happened to stop by one morning to deliver some supplies to his brothers. David was just incensed by this guy coming out and and insulting his God, but also his people, and nobody doing anything about it. And so he he threw his hat into the ring and said, listen, if nobody else is going to step up, I'll I'll do it. After Saul, uh, King Saul, effectively laughed him off, David's response in in verse 34 is, David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David is referring back to specific situations of uncertainty in his life that he, he previously experienced and was able to testify to how God brought him through that. David remembered God's faithfulness in, in, <coughs> excuse me, in the past, and he was able to turn that into wisdom to be able to trust God for what's to come in, in uncertain situations uh, in the future. I think marking these, these moments as God brings us through things is really important for us in our walk because, you know, we, we, we can often focus so much on, on moving forward and what's to come, but we gain strength from, from the trophies that God has given us in the past. And uh, Deanne Boyd spoke about this very specifically last week, if you were here. Um, she talked about three stories in, in their lives. Um, two, uh, which were some crazy circumstances that would have seen, you know, very odd by worldly standards, um, God delivered them through magnificently. He, he provided um, enormously for them. And the third 
was a season of uncertainty that they were still in as Keith and Dan are moving back to Texas really without a job. Um, but they're following the Lord's call. And because of what God has done for them in the past, they have confidence in what he's going to do for them in the future. And that doesn't always look like what we think it's going to look like, but we can trust him nonetheless. And so the second takeaway for us um, when we look at David's approach to waiting is as we seek to grow in patience in waiting on the Lord, we need to remember to look backward and reflect on what God has already done because we can trust him and, and allow that, those experiences to give us confidence in the Lord's goodness and his faithfulness for what's to come in the future. If we fast forward to uh, chapter 18, uh, this is after David's triumph over Goliath and his rout of the Philistine army. And he is, uh, he's still not king, but he is a commander in, in the Israelite army now. And we can tell it's going pretty well from three little snippets in verses uh, 5, 14, and 16, which say, Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Another translation says he, he led them faithfully in their campaigns. If I were to read this, this chapter and these verses out of context, I would have no idea that, you know, David and the throne of Israel had anything in common or that there was anything going on there. What I think we can glean from, from David here is that he didn't allow whatever certainty there was about his future, about when he might become king. He didn't allow that to cloud or take away from um, executing in excellence what he was being called to that day. Listen, I mean, planning is, prudent planning is, is of great value, whether it's financial or career, um, you know, family or otherwise. But if we, if we allow, if we hold it so high that it takes away from our, um, our daily walk with the Lord and it, it, it uh, forces us to take our eyes off of what Christ is calling us to today, then that becomes detrimental to, to our walk of faith. In Proverbs 4.25, uh, we read, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. And I think in, in somewhat of a parallel, in Colossians 3, Paul writes, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. See, David didn't obsess about what was to come down the road. He, he didn't lose sight of what was directly in front of him. He focused on what was within his control. Um, he wasn't king, but he was an army commander. And he, he chose to, day in and day out, do that with excellence and with fervor for the Lord's glory, not for his own. For several years, I, I attended um, our men's Bible study on Tuesday nights upstairs, and um, we still have a very faithful teacher, Chuck Frank, for those of you that know him, uh, who, who walks the guys through uh, Old Testament books for the most part. And we, um, a couple years ago, we did First and Second Samuel, First uh, and Second Kings, and we looked heavily at the, the life of David. And as I was reflecting on uh, today, I, um, I thought about two things. Number one, I wish I had taken better notes. Um, but uh, secondly, you know, Chuck talks about this a lot, doing your dailies, trusting and obeying today what God has called you to, because that's what you can control, and, and allowing him to worry uh, or take care of the future. Like, what does it look like for you to trust and obey what God has put in front of you today. And so this, this third lesson that I think we can apply is that in these seasons of uncertainty and waiting, 
when we're waiting for direction or an answer or deliverance from something, we, we must not look so far forward <clears throat> that we lose sight of what walking closely with the Lord today looks like for us. Speeding up a little bit and, and moving through the rest of First Samuel, um, David has a couple different encounters that are worth highlighting and, and kind of focus on a singular theme that I think is relevant for us. Um, up until now, he's been kind of a celebrity in Israel. Um, he slayed Goliath. He's, you know, this, uh, there's a, I guess the women of Israel were saying, you know, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. So, like, he's, he's up on the billboards of the day, you know, Clay, I don't know what they did back then. But he's, he's a big deal. And in, in chapter 19, we see a turning point where he is forced out uh, and forced to go on the run because Saul has become so jealous that he is actively trying to kill him. And at the beginning of chapter 22, when he is escaping a previous hideout in Gath and heading to make camp in a new cave, David uh, is quoted as saying, uh, From there David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? Two things about this that I think are, are important. Um, one, David is very open that he doesn't know what God has for him in, in this next season. So David is walking through this period of tremendous uncertainty and waiting and not really sure what's going on. But he said with confidence, not what God might do for me, but what God will do for me. He trusted that God had an outcome in mind, that he had something down the road for him. I mean, I... I can't imagine being in his situation, but I, I can kind of picture him sitting in that cave. Um, you know, David never complained about, you know, why am I not king now? You know, why isn't this, you know, why aren't we there yet type thing. But I have to believe that David envisioned a very different path from when he was anointed to be king to his time in that cave. That probably wasn't part of his, you know, five-year plan, I'm guessing. So, lo and behold, in chapter 24, there appears to be an opening. When David is still hiding in this cave, uh, Saul happens to walk in to um, relieve himself. And David's men basically declare that, David, this, this is your chance. This is the Lord opening a door. This must be your time to take action and grab that throne. Um, but David takes it a, a different way. And we see in verse 4, he says, the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. There's no actual recording in the scripture of the Lord saying that. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of Israel, talking uh, the anointed of the Lord, talking about Saul. Had, had David taken it upon himself in his own timing without any true word from the Lord to kill Saul in that moment, he would have been shortcutting God's path of preparation for him. He would have been making his own curriculum. He would have been taking matters into his own hands. But instead, David recognized that that A to B path that seems so um, alluring to us in this case, involved uh, disobedience and was misaligned with the character of God. He, it would have been as if he was saying, okay, God, I've, I've had enough. 
it's time for me to, to take some action. You've, you've put this here. I'm good to go. I'll take it from here. And I, I think that's, that can be so tempting for us, especially as we, for those of us that are enduring long periods of waiting, whatever that waiting might be, we become impatient. We become eager for an answer. Sometimes we become eager for a bad plan over no plan at all. And that's, a, that's an element of growth where we need to strive to ask the Lord to sustain us through that and continue to wait on him until we clearly get direction from him. Because God's timing is, is not our timing. Moses writes in the 90th Psalm that for God, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. When we want to dictate the timeline because waiting on the Lord is, is a challenging thing to do, it, it takes away from God's ultimate glory of what he's trying to do through us. And so I think the fourth lesson for us to apply here is don't take the easy way out. Seek him and trust God to be faithful to bring about his outcome in his timing. And I know it's not always easy to see that. But don't allow our impatience to take control and yield to temptation for one of those quick fix answers. Especially when an answer appears obvious, as it may have to David, seek the Lord's guidance and, and ask God to show you if this is really something he wants you to step into. I think this is going to be a challenge for us as a body as we, we walk through this pastor search process. Um, you know, I, I already get asked, um, you know, do you, have, you guys have any new candidates, anybody, you know, in the, in the pipeline? And um, I can tell you from, from being inside the pastor search committee, these folks are working tremendously hard. Um, and they're very conscious of our human desire to want clarity and decision and, you know, this is it, let's move forward. At the same time, giving huge weight and being sensitive and not quenching the Holy Spirit's leading and waiting for God's person to fill this role. Um, my encouragement to us is, is partner as, as a group with us in, in seeking the Lord's guidance and praying for, for his direction as um, we as a body you know, seek, uh, seek out this next chapter. Um, <clears throat> we, we want to be able to trust him, and we know that he will, he will give us direction when he sees fit. As we, we round out our journey through David's um, ascent to the throne, at the beginning of 2 Samuel 2, we start to see the fulfillment of this, uh, this promise that God had made to him where David is given the kingdom of Judah. And then a few chapters later in chapter 5, we see that David finally achieves what had been planned so many years ago. In verse 3, it says, When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David's patient waiting and careful action in accordance with God's will and his plan ultimately culminated in, in a, great, a great outcome for him. That doesn't always happen to us. We don't always get to see that, you know, let's sit on the throne, throne time in our lives, and I realize that. But what we need to see here is that the important part of this journey wasn't him getting to the throne, although that, that has some significance. The important part is what God did while he was on that journey, how he developed him into the man of God, uh, man after God's own heart that, that David is called to be. 
uh, Paul Tripp says that waiting is not just about what I get at the end of the wait, but about who I become as I wait. And we, we certainly see that ring true in David's life. Um, but there was significance to him attaining that throne. And so the final insight I want to kind of call out is not something we see from these passages specifically, but something that we do see as we move into the New Testament. In that David's anointing was a critical step in the prophetic sequence of bringing Jesus to earth um, to die for our sins and rise from the dead. If David had veered from, from how he had proceeded, listen, God would have gotten his plan done, absolutely. But it would have detracted from David's contribution and his role in that and the glory that he was able to bring to the Lord through how he walked through that. So let us keep in mind that God can be utilizing each one of us for things that are much bigger than we, we may ever get to see in, in our lifetime. We are all part of God's big story, and we all have a part to play. And that's exciting. Um, it's a little intimidating, but it's exciting. So as we look back at, at this period in David's life, we know that God intended it as one of preparation for the role that he had, he had called him to. He had set something in the future, and God was going to bring him through that um, and prepare him for that. He had areas where he needed to grow. He had experiences that he needed to walk through, wisdom that he needed to gain in order to step into that new phase and be successful and bring God glory through that. And I think so do we. You know, we, 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 have, um, we walk through many parallel periods of waiting and development and preparation throughout our lives. And so um, I want to wrap up by just uh, quickly going through the, the points again that we gleaned from David's life and then give us all a chance to, to reflect for a minute or two um, about what God might be doing in, in whatever waiting period that we're in right now. And so as a reminder, as we approach these periods of waiting, as we strive to have patience in uncertain times, let us strive to, to view seasons of waiting as preparation. This is not something to be moved through. It's not something to be escaped, as Dr. Seuss said, but this is a time to be embraced and to find value in because the Lord wants to do something through that time in you. If you're, if you're feeling stuck in that and that doesn't ring true, just ask the Lord, what do you have for me in this time? You know, why, why are we doing this? Show me, Lord, I want to grow in this. Second, as we seek to grow our, our patience during these times, it's helpful to look back on how God has been faithful in the past to give us confidence and to be able to trust him and have faith that he will be uh, true in the future and as we go through a di- you know, more and more uncertainty. And when we're in these periods waiting on the Lord's direction, let us not lose sight of what he's calling us to today, what is within our control to be obedient and to trust him today and not... Um, not set our minds too far on, too much on what is ahead of us. Uh, number four, don't take the easy way out. Um, seek him and trust him to be faithful and to bring about the outcome that he has ordained for us in his timing. Don't yield to that temptation for that quick, that quick fix. And lastly, keep in mind that our present circumstances, our preparation, as we walk through different periods of preparation in our lives, have eternal consequences for what God is doing in his bigger story. 
and embrace that and be excited about that and, and ask God to use you for his glory in that. Waiting on God successfully gives us a chance to, to increase in faith, obedience, and joy, um, which is a key part of, of what we try to do here at Trinity. Um, and if we, if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us through those, those periods, um, we, we will grow and give him glory and more effectively exhibit um, his character. And so I'd like to give us a minute to, to reflect on what, what God might be calling us to individually right now, um, what he might be doing in these periods, and ask him to, to help us to make the most of it, um, to, to lean into him, to not let the uncertainty of these periods drive us away from him, but drive us into him. I give you praise that even in the midst of uncomfortable circumstances, when we in our human nature want to steer away from uncertainty, you still want to do a good work in us. Lord, I pray that we would individually lean into you as we are facing these, uh, these stretches of waiting, that we're seeking you and wanting to with you in transforming us more into the likeness of your son. Lord, I'm grateful um, that we were able to honor Ethan Deanne so well, um, that we, we are a church that celebrates what you have done, and we celebrate what you will do. Lord, you have been faithful for 150 years, and that is not built on any individual that is built on Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we, as we step out in faith into this period of uncertainty, Lord, I pray that we would collectively make the most of this waiting time, that we would gather around each other, that we would support James and his family as they lead us well, that we would love on our staff and our leadership, Lord, that this would be a period where we look back and say, God had his hand on us.